Hey there, welcome back to the Vegetarian Zen Podcast, a peaceful place for vegetarians, vegans, and the veg curious to share tips for living a more compassionate plant-based lifestyle. I am one of your hosts, Vicki. And this is Larissa. Well, I am super excited about our interview today. In this episode of the Vegetarian Zen Podcast, we are pleased to welcome Laura Theodore, also known as the Jazzy Vegetarian. What's extra exciting about having Laura on the show is that she was one of our very first inspirations for creating the podcast. Many of you guys know that we started our podcast in 2013 as a place for people to feel comfortable asking questions and learning more about being plant-based without feeling bullied or pressured. We wanted to focus on the positive aspects of being vegan or vegetarian, and Laura certainly brings that vibe. Would you agree? I absolutely agree. She's so nice to talk to. She's so easygoing. And her experience in the vegan uh, plant-based world is incredible. Incredible. But before we get into our interview, let's hear from today's sponsor. This episode of the Vegetarian Zen Podcast is being brought to you by Cheery Bird Vintage, our online vintage store. Have you ever caught yourself saying... They just don't make them like that anymore. I have. We have, both of us. Uh, And this is why we decided to open our online shop filled with many of the clothes, shoes, games, toys, housewares that we grew up with that our grandparents used, our parents used, and so on and so on and so on. Uh, Vintage items are not only fun and unique, but reusing them helps free up space in landfills. So it's also good for the planet. And it's fun. So whether you're looking for something vintage chic to wear or something fun and decorative for your home or maybe some old toys to play with or give them to your kids, but you actually play with them, uh, check out our shop at cheerybirdvintage.com. And now back to the show. Okay, are you ready to do this? Let's do it. All right. Laura Theodore is a nationally recognized television personality, radio host, celebrity PBS vegan chef, and award-winning author of five plant-based cookbooks. We're really excited to talk to her today about her PBS special. We actually found her, when we first found her, it was through the podcast. Her series. I'm sorry. How about her special PBS series? There you go. Uh, We want to talk to her about it. She's really curious about that. That's really exciting. I'm more of a behind-the-mic person. I'm not really a uh, in-front-of-a-camera type person, which is why we don't have a lot of videos ourselves. But uh, yes, I'm really excited to talk to her about that. So without further delay, let's bring Laura on the show. Welcome to the show, Laura. Welcome. Well, thank you. I'm so honored to be here. I'm such a big fan of what you both are doing here for us. Well, we are huge fans, and I know I sounded probably very fangirl, even in the emails that we had before <laughs> leading up to this. But I have to tell you, just for the listeners of the show, we've got, we've got you know, three, you're, as I mentioned to you, Laura, you're going to be episode 359, I believe. Uh, way back in 2013, when we started our podcast, we did so with, you were just one of the people we had in mind when we were thinking like, what do we want our show to model after or look after? What vibe do we want to put out there? You're one of the first people that we pulled up as, as kind of one of our role models. So thank you so much. I'm, I just feel so happy to be able to thank you like 
in person, like virtually in person, yeah. but in person. So <laughs> in thank voice. You. You're, you're, you're touching my heart. You're making my day because this is all <laughs> a labor of love. And thank you. Thank you so much, Vicki and Larissa. Awesome. Well, we're so glad you're here. So for folks who don't know a lot about you, maybe you can tell a little bit about yourself uh, as much as you're comfortable with, just maybe some of your, and maybe even some of your own inspirations when you got started. Wow. Well, of course, uh, my background was in acting and singing, but I have loved cooking ever since I was a little kid. Three years old, on the stool at my grandmother's house, we pick apples from the backyard, making applesauce in this like hand-cranked thing that she had, and her teaching me and, and letting me help. And then my mother was such an inspiration. I mean, I always had guidance from my mom and my grandma for cooking. So it was something I always really loved. And then, uh, you know, of course, the career and singing, et cetera, et cetera. But I was always entertaining. We were always entertaining, you know, fellow musicians, fellow actors, business people, and none of them were vegan or none of them were vegetarian. When I first started, I was a vegetarian. So we'd always have the soirees at our apartment in New York City. And I thought, well, man, I got to figure out, you know, how to make great dishes like grandma used to make, but that omnivores are going to like, and we're having these big parties. I better figure it out. And then I kind of, so I took it up this kind of a hobby that was about 25 years ago. And really started getting into it. And I started taking grandma's recipes, my mother's recipes, and I started making them vegan. And then I started taking my mother-in-law's recipes, my stepmother's recipes. And then I started taking recipes out of cookbooks and making them vegan. And I just became really inspired. And I got this huge, huge collection of vegan recipes. And then uh, when the Food Network came on, I thought, well, this is neat because, you know, my background when I was a kid, I was a child actor, was television and stage, and that's what I really am comfortable with. But now I'm really comfortable with this cooking thing, but there was no vegan cooking show. So fast forward to 2005 when the Jazzy Vegetarian was born. We dared not call it Jazzy Vegan back then because that was still (laughs) kind of like a dirty word. And we started filming pilots. Uh, my husband, uh, his background is in television. He worked at uh, USA Universal Networks for many, many years. And uh, that's how the Jazzy Vegetarian was born. And we kind of, I kind of modeled the show, believe it or not, the show itself was inspired by the way Lydia Bastianich does her show on PBS. I, I like to watch her show. You know, she does a lot of vegetarian-centric uh, recipes a lot of the episodes are featured around uh, you know just veggies and beans and legumes being Italian she's been on my television show before and the way that she put it together and the warmness that she had and the soft cell kind of thing I thought man that's really for me because the whole idea is to not you know just try to push people into eating plant-based it's to say hey you know, we can all be healthier, we can all help the environment, we can all be a little more compassionate in our lives if we just start adding one or two vegan meals to our weekly menu plan every week and then let that expand and become our lifestyle. And that's really what, it, what started it all. How did you come up with your name? Jazzy Vegetarian? Yes. Well, 
here's the thing. My husband and I were in the kitchen. We've been trying to think of names. You know, we're saying, well, what are you, Laura? What do you do? Who, who are you? And we said, well, I'm a jazz singer. You know, I have six albums out, and I'm a vegetarian. I mean, back then, you still called vegan vegetarian. I mean, it's kind of weird. And uh, then all of a sudden, my husband said, oh, jazzy. We're jazzy. Jazzy vegetarian. Yeah, that's it. A couple mornings later, I walked into my office, and the jingle just popped into my head. The whole thing. Sang it. This is how long ago it was. Onto a cassette tape. And uh, <laughs> sang it straight through. And that was it. And that's how it all came to be. And we thought about changing it, you know, years later. But when we first started on public television, they were like, you know, we don't want you to say the word vegan. We don't want you to talk about it. So we could not call the show that. So that's how we, that's how it, how it stuck. That is such a cool story, Laura. Um, And so it's amazing to us, even in the time, like I mentioned, we became vegetarians in 2013. How much Mm -hmm. has changed even since then? So when you tell these stories like 25 years ago, how vegan, I mean, vegan is starting to, has just really recently been starting to be considered somewhat mainstream. Because even at that, I think it's it's taken as an extreme sometimes. Man, you are so right. You are so yeah, right. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was hard. You know, <laughs> I have a lot of guests on my show that, that say the same thing, but you think about 25 years ago and I was saying this to my husband the other day, you know, back then you couldn't even get any plant-based milk in the grocery store unless you got it in, in a septic package. And then it was only soy milk that you could get. It was not in the refrigerated section. I mean, the first time I saw soy milk or plant-based milk in the refrigerated section of a grocery store, I think I, you know, held a party in my, in my brain or something. I mean, I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, you really, really had to be creative. You really had to come up with stuff from whatever was available. Now, that being said... I lived in New York City at the time, and we lived, we were so blessed, we lived three blocks from a store called Fairway Market, and we lived five blocks from, you know, a major, major health food store. And of course, in New York, they were on the cutting edge of everything vegan and vegetarian. So even back then, I was able to get, um, you know, seitan and tofu, and, you know, they were starting to carry all this stuff in the stores. It was when we moved out from New York City, the heart of New York City, to New Jersey. And I got out there and I was like, oh my goodness, I got to just cook with what's at the stop and shop. And that's when I really started coming up with recipes that used ingredients that you can find at any local supermarket. That's really what inspired the missions and the goals of the Jazzy Vegetarian brand because I felt that everybody in the United States needed to have access to good vegan recipes, but vegan recipes that they could actually make. And so that's that's how that all, you know, that's how that kind of all came together. So I was so happy when, you know, more stuff started coming into the supermarkets. Uh really, I guess about 15 years ago. Yeah, I was going to ask you too. Uh you said you were like trying out some of these um, recipes on, on the folks around you. What was their response to those? Because I know, you know, in our community, and you've probably 
experiences as well. It's just varying, right? Some people are really resistant to it. Some people are okay mm-hmm. with it as long as you don't tell them it's vegetarian or vegan. And then, yep. um, you know, some people are really open to it too. What were the, who were the folks you were like, ex- like making this for? And then like, how were their, how did they respond to it? Was it, which, which case was it for you? Were they just open and like, yeah, let's try a vegetarian. Or was it like you were subtly changing these recipes and just not saying anything? Well, with my family, it was challenging, and always is, with the people that are closest to you. Um, But, you know, they've always accepted it, and they've always been very, very supportive. I was really fortunate in the fact that I was serving my very supportive group of fellow actors and singers in New York. So our whole deal was supporting each other in anything and everything that we did. And so... Everybody loved the food, and that's what was so cool. And I think that's what gave me the confidence to try to move on and to make it into something because I realized that it was becoming such a big part of me. So I was really very, very lucky uh, with my friends. And, of course, I had some vegan and vegetarian friends as well, so that was really nice, trying the recipes on them. And uh, in general, everybody said, wow, this is delicious, Um you know, you should start a food line. I mean, that's probably why I had the confidence to get it going is because the reaction was so positive uh, for 90% of my experiments. Uh, you know, I always, I always say to my husband, occasionally I have to make something and, and uh, it's it just you can't eat it. I mean, thank, thankfully, like once a year. But Julia Child always used to say, well, it may not be the best thing I've ever made, but it certainly is edible. So we kind of go with that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Larissa and I uh, are very fortunate because we do have a very supportive uh, family and friends, and we're in South Texas, so you can imagine we're very, very, uh, this state is very meat-centric. <laughs> so um, we actually had our wedding catered by a, by, by a vegan uh, Tex-Mex, so that was pretty wow. pretty cool. But yeah, it's, it certainly is helpful when you have supportive friends and family that can really push you, and I mean, look what it pushed you to do, right? Yes, it really is very, very helpful, and uh, it's something that, but, you know, you said it a few minutes ago, it's something that's becoming more and more accepted, particularly with everything that's going on in the world right now. Everybody's saying, oh, man, i I, I got to be as healthy as I can possibly be. I'm going to look towards putting more plants, legumes, more whole grains. I'm going to put more stuff of that into my diet so that I can make my immune system a little bit stronger. So... I think that finding that support is something that is going to escalate at this time, which, you know, something good often comes out of something that is really bad. So that's, that's what I have to say about that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit too about your PBS show. So uh, it, how, how did you talked a little bit about how that started and all, but I, I think I was trying to remember, did I find your podcast? I think I found your podcast First. I found the podcast first, I know. I, I know for sure I found the podcast. I don't know about you. Maybe I told you about it. Yeah, sure. and then it, it took a bit to find the PBS show, but can you talk a little bit more about that? That was really interesting how that all evolved, and then just maybe about some of your experiences on the show? Sure. Well, you know, the idea behind the whole thing, once again, going back to that Food Network thing, was to have a vegan television show. I mean, that's how the whole thing started. And it took me five years to get the deal with with, uh, public television distribution. So during that time, I thought, well, you know, let me start writing a book. 
let me start a podcast. And really, it was starting that podcast that parlayed into the television show because I started the podcast and then we started getting a really nice following. I think I started the podcast in around 2008, if I recall. And uh, the first uh, PBS show came out in October of 2011. So I started getting a following that way, but it always had been, in my mind, I always, always, always wanted a television show. I mean, I always wanted my own television show my whole life. And then finally I figured out, oh, this is what it should be. But we shopped it around pilots, like I said, for five years before uh, we were very fortunate to... uh, I was very fortunate to be introduced to my station's relations director, who is still our relations director to this day. And she loved the show, and she introduced me to Oregon Public Broadcasting, and they loved the idea. They thought that, you know, vegan recipes might be one of the next big things, and they were right, and they uh, decided to distribute us. And we started filming at a place, a cooking school, and we would film on weekends. The first season, we would film on weekends. We would set up the entire thing, all the cameras, all everything, set up the entire set and film uh, two or three shows, tear the whole thing down. And then a couple of weekends later, when the cooking school was free, we'd do it again. So uh, that's how it all started. Wow, that really does sound like a labor of love for sure. It It is, and it was. But being... From the background that I come from, for me, the most comfortable thing is being in front of a television camera. I mean, I'm way more comfortable, uh, or in front of a microphone like I am now, but I'm way more comfortable being in front of a television camera than I am, you know, lecturing to a group of people or pretty much, or even at a party. I'm not comfortable at a party. I'm comfortable in front of a television camera. So it really made it that this is something that I love doing. This is something that I'm good at, that I'm comfortable with. This is what I've been doing for a long, long time. So once it kind of all came together and we figured out, my mom helped me actually figure out how to put the scripts together and and script the whole thing. And once we got that first season done, I've pretty much followed that same uh, you know way to put the show together. Of course, it's become way more advanced, but it's still the same idea we had from season one. So it's it's been great. And having all these wonderful guests throughout the years, we don't have guests a lot anymore, but we've had a lot of great guests on the program, and that's been something that was always really inspiring to me as well. And what, so I have to say, right now the show is playing, we're in season eight, on the Create Network, which is a national network in 86% of U.S. households, and we are airing every Sunday and Monday, four times a week, on the East Coast, it's 9.30 a.m. every Sunday morning, 10.30 p.m. every Sunday night uh, in the Pacific time in California. Uh, just check your local listings, but we're in season eight, and it is really just about one of the best seasons yet. I just love this season, so I hope everybody's going to tune in. And what, what network was that on? No, uh, go, to, go to createtv.com, createtv.com, and type in Jazzy Vegetarian, and it will give you the schedule in your area. But you do have to have a certain type of cable television to, to get it. So we also have an online television uh, channel network where we have five uh, seasons streaming. It is a pay-per-view. It's, 
it doesn't cost a lot, but that's jazzyvegetariantv.com. If you don't get the Create Network, you can view over 52 of our shows on that uh, at that URL. Okay. Um, we will definitely link to that in the show notes so everybody has access to that. Um, so Great. now I want to hear about your new book, Vegan for Everyone. And I just want to say this, I think, is the most gorgeous book I have ever seen in my life. It's really a nice book. And this is why we always ask for, like, to, you know, a, a copy of the book because this it's gorgeous. It's mm-hmm. the, 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 from the cover to cover and everything in between. It's beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope you tell my publisher that too, but I just, I love this book. It was Talk About Labor of Love. It's been in the making for many, many, many years, and I'm just so thankful to the whole team, uh, Jennifer over at Scribe Publishing and Mel and, the, and Rhonda and John who designed it and all the great folks and all the photographers and everybody who, you know, were involved in the book. I'm really proud because I took over two thirds of the photos in the book myself. So I'm, but, I'm, and I know that's difficult to do for sure. For sure, that's difficult to do. And I really found a true love of, of vegan food photography. So that made it extra special. And it's just mm-hmm. so colorful and so nice. And it's been in my brain for a long, long time. But basically, what it is is um, over a hundred new recipes, things that I've developed in the past several years. And then we decided to add 60 fan favorite recipes with updates, with new pictures, with you know instructions, but just things that over the last 10 years that uh, people have responded to, whether it be on our Facebook page or our blog or from our website or from other books or from the television show or from the radio show. And I very uh, lovingly uh, you know, compiled all those and put them together. So it really is just the ultimate jazzy vegetarian uh, vegan collection of recipes and ideas i'm really proud of it yeah what i really liked about it too is it was it was there was a uh, obviously a ton of recipes but you also had some like really good advice for essential ingredients and then for like ideas for stocking your spice rack that was an area i really struggled with i took a for uh forks over knives cooking course a couple years ago and that really uh-huh. helped me because i didn't realize what I was missing, <laughs> you know, with spices. I was not one big on spices. And, uh, and then, you know, I kind of learned how to stock that. So I like that your book touches on those things too, because especially if it's just a first time, a person that's maybe just getting into vegetarian or, or veganism and they, uh, you know, they, they might not know what to stock. So I really like that there's practical tips in there as well. Not just, not just recipes, although the recipes are obviously a big, amazing part of it. Yeah, well, I, I do appreciate that because that's something I really thought about long and hard with this book. You know, I've made this analogy before, but, um, you know, if you're omnivorous, if you take an egg, you crack it, you put it in a bowl, and you put it in front of somebody, they're going to say, oh, my God, what are you doing? That tastes terrible. I don't like eggs. So you take the same idea. You take a block of tofu, blop it on a plate, you put it in front of somebody, and they say, oh my gosh, this is terrible, I don't like tofu. It's the way you flavor the egg that makes it taste good. It's the way you flavor the tofu that makes it taste good. You can do the same thing with tofu that you can with eggs. So having a really basic spice rack, and there really are only, if you have 10 things in your spice rack, you can make just about anything. And the main thing that I say is 
the idea to have quick cooking, to have flavorful, flavorful cooking, is to use a lot of spice blends. Find an Italian seasoning blend that you really, really like. Try a couple of them out. Keep it in your spice rack so that rather than going and picking out, you know, basil, oregano, thyme, sage, rosemary, marjoram, all those things, every time you want something Italian, you can just grab that one herb bottle, use that, and you know your family and your friends are going to like it. Same thing with the chili powder. Same thing with an all-purpose seasoning. If you keep some basic seasoning blends in your pantry, along with some other basics like, of course, salt and pepper and cayenne, smoked paprika is something that makes things taste really meaty, and garlic powder. I mean, those are really the basics. You can cook just about anything. Keep some cinnamon and some vanilla for your desserts. You can have a very basic spice rack, but it's flavoring, 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 flavoring. That's what makes vegan food taste good. Well, and I think that's such a good point about having the seasoning blends because, you know, I know one of the obstacles that a lot of new uh, vegetarians and vegans have is that they, they're intimidated, you know, by, I, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to do this. And, you know, I, I can't do this. And, and just to have the, the fewer ingredients you have to, to have to, you know, put together, the more likely it is, I think that people are going to be able to say, Hey, you know, I can do this. And, oh my gosh, it tastes amazing. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I do want to say, I think a lot of people think, that I'm in there in my kitchen, you know, taking a thousand ingredients every night and spending all this time. I'm like everybody else, you know, particularly now that we're all doing so much cooking at home. We have to really mainstream it. And that's really how I came up with this stuff in the first place. It's like, wait a minute, man. Every time I make a pasta sauce, a marinara sauce, every time I make a casserole, I don't want to pull out, you know, 12 spices to make it. I want to take out my Italian seasoning blend my garlic powder, maybe one other thing, bang, there I go. I know my husband's going to like it. I know my friends are going to like it because that's the spice blend that they're accustomed to eating. And I had a little pushback earlier uh, in in one of my cookbooks from some culinary uh, reviewers and saying, well, you know, she's not, she's just using a blend. It's like, yeah, I'm using a blend. You can make your own custom blend. You don't have to even have one from the grocery store. I do have my own Italian seasoning blend that have the recipe in the cookbook. You can take it. You can revise it. But make your own so that you're not pulling out all those spice spices every single night and adding, you know, 10 minutes to your cooking time. It really adds a lot of time. Yeah, I think people definitely underestimate the power of the, the right spices in a dish. It can actually make or break it, really. Yeah, there's no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, you know, and when we, we became vegetarians in 2013, uh, there was a couple of few reasons I was we were kind of faltered at the beginning, thinking, I don't know if we can do it. And one of them was just being getting creative enough. We, we were lulled into, when we were omnivores, we just kind of ate the same thing and not very good stuff, and we weren't very creative. And it wasn't until we became vegetarian that we really had to get much more, more creative. And I'm wondering, do you, do you remember maybe some of the early, for folks that are just starting down this path or looking to see if they, if they uh, can do this, uh, what were maybe some of the early mistakes that you made? Like for us, for example, like I said, we underestimated the power of, of spices for sure. And I think that's why a lot of vegetarian and vegan food can be 
branded as being bland, you know, people mm -hmm. are so surprised. Um, do you remember yeah. some of the maybe early mistakes that you made? Well, that's a very good point. I think for me, what helped me to have kind of a clear path to this whole thing is that, as I said earlier in our conversation, my grandma, when I first moved out of the house, she would email me a recipe, a family recipe, every, an email. She would mail me on a recipe card. Every week she would mail me on a recipe card, handwritten in her own handwriting, one of her fantastic recipes. So I got a little recipe box, and I started collecting them. So when I first started out, and this is what I recommend to people, one of the first things I veganized was grandma's lasagna recipe. So I take the recipe card and I say, okay, I got to come up with some vegan ricotta. And all right, what is ricotta like? Hey, man, it's kind of like tofu. If I mush up tofu, it kind of looks like ricotta. Let me make it taste like ricotta, a little salt, you know, a little umami, a little tamari, that'll give it a little salty taste like ricotta does. I'll add some Italian seasoning, maybe some fresh parsley, maybe a little garlic powder, because that's something used in Italian, you know, cooking a lot. And I just would take that recipe, and then I would transform it into being vegan by using the vegan ingredients. And the reason I'm telling you that story is that's what I recommend to people. In other words, if you say to yourself, all right, I'm going to become vegan. All right, let me go on the Internet. Let me look at some really weird recipes, some really strange vegan recipes. I'm going to try that. That's not the way to get started, in my opinion. What you, what you need to do is take your own recipes, your own chili recipe, your spaghetti recipe, your lasagna recipe, your soup recipe, your sandwich recipes. You take those recipes and you use or make vegan substitutes. And if you want to find out what the substitutes are, that's what you look for in my book or in you know so many great vegan books that are out there. But you find a good substitute for a ricotta. You find a good substitute for um, you know cream. You find all these good substitutes, but start with recipes and meals that you and your family are accustomed to. So all of a sudden you're not eating some exotic vegan recipe and you're saying to yourself, oh, I don't like vegan. If you just stick with what you're used to, then it's easier to transition. Yeah, as I mentioned with our with our uh, vegan catered wedding, we had vegan Tex-Mex and it was incredible. You know, growing up here in South Texas, we have some of the best Tex-Mex food and people could not believe that it was it was actually vegan. But yeah, that's, that's great advice. So Laura, we really have appreciated having you on the show. Like I said, it's been, it's really been an honor to have you here and we um, will have a link to your show, to your, I'm sorry, to your book in the show notes. Uh, where are the other places that folks can find you? Fantastic. Uh, Facebook forward slash Jazzy Vegetarian, Twitter forward slash Jazzy Vegetarian, Pinterest. I think it's forward slash Jazzy Vegetarian, but they're all the, the official Jazzy Vegetarian pages. Uh, then jazzyvegetariantv.com. We have a channel on YouTube. But the main place to go is jazzyvegetarian.com. Awesome. Because there we have links to my podcast. Of course, you do want to listen to my podcast every Thursday on unityonlineradio.org. Every Thursday at 3 p.m. EST, it goes live. And I hope everybody's going to tune into that. But if you just go to the website, you'll find links to 
everything I do. That's awesome. Thank you so much for all the positive vibes you put out there, uh, Laura. We'll be watching and we'll be listening. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm just honored to be here. Love, love, love your podcast and love what you guys are doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Well, that was a very cool interview. This it was. I was trying not to fangirl. I bet I sounded like a fangirl, didn't I? <laughs> it's funny. We've been together for so long. I don't. You know me. I don't fangirl very often, mm-hmm. but I was kind of fangirling on that one. Uh, we want to make sure to let you guys know that we will have links to everything we mentioned in the show notes. The book is incredible. There are over 160 vegan recipes. The The pictures are amazing. Laura does most um, did a lot of the pictures in there. Uh, there's also some handy icons that ID over 135 gluten-free friendly recipes. There is a detailed list of vegan essentials, including, like we said, how to stock your pantry with uh, a good spice rack. Uh, there's also many quick and easy three ingredient recipes, which I know a lot of folks will really appreciate, especially during this time. There's festive recipes for, uh, celebrations and comprehensive, comprehensive plant-based nutrition chapter contributed by Dr. Juliana Heaver, the plant-based dietitian. Very nice. Yeah. And And like we said, it is a gorgeous book. It is. And in her generosity, Laura has also... This is a bonus for our folks, has also given us a couple of recipes that we can post on our site. So we'll be doing those as well. So be sure to head out to vegetarianzen.com forward slash 359 to look at everything we talked about and also to grab those recipes. Yep. I think that does it for our episode this week. Until next time, peace out. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Vegetarian Zen. We've created a free resource for you to show you five ways to sneak more fruits and veggies into your diet. You can download it right now by visiting VegetarianZen.com. Until next time, wishing you a happy body and a healthy mind.